All right, all right. Am I on? Good morning, Cedarville. How y'all doing today? No, no, you got to give me something better than that. We're ready to open up God's word. How are you this morning today? Let me get a hand clap. Is Jesus alive? Is Jesus king? Has Jesus rescued your life? Then get your hands together and give him some praise. He's worthy. Isn't nobody like Jesus? Now, I don't know what you came ready for this morning, whether you took an exam this morning, you got to take one next hour. Right now, we're going to get into God's word and we're going to exalt Jesus. As Dr. White said, my name is Nathan Payne, and it is a joy to be here this morning with you. I just want to thank you, each of you students, truly, that you would take time out of your day to be with us together and allow me to share God's word. I know it's required for you. Uh, because I had to do that, but you are still here and you're choosing to engage. And I just want to say how much I'm grateful for the privilege. You know, I graduated in 1998, y'all, 98. You know what that means? That means I'm old. That's what it means. It means that I'm old enough that I should get a discount at Chuck's when I go there. I got a few witnesses out there. Well, hey, as uh, Dr. White mentioned, uh, I, I bring you greetings from Chicago, the city of Chicago, uh, and I uh, want to bring you greetings from my wife, Gabrielle. We have been married, like Dr. White said, coming up on 20 years. There's a photo of my family. We have seven kids. I'm not going to name them all, uh, but they might be watching, so I love you guys, and I got a couple in the house. I just have to say this. This is for free. Y'all, I left Cedarville single, but isn't there hope? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> God is good all the time. God is good. I was struggling, Dr. White, but hey, the Lord in his grace. He was enough, but he gave me more than I deserve, so... Thank you, and hun, I love you, baby, as she is watching from Chicago, and we serve in the context of a city. We are in the heart of Chicago, 17 churches proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people until there's no place left. I got news for you as you think about Chicago. Some of you are thinking like it's a war zone, it's crazy, it's calling apart. Yes, that's true, but I got three things to remind you with. This not even my sermon. Three things that you can take with you wherever God takes you. One, God's word is reliable, absolutely. Number two, the gospel is actually true. It's true in Chicago and in Cedarville. And secondly, let me tell you this, Jesus Christ rose from the dead and I don't care who's on the throne, Jesus Christ is king. So that's three and that's three free for you before I jump into my sermon. All right, you're all like, man, this brother need to calm down. I can't calm down. Jesus is king, and he's Lord, and we should celebrate that. We got one person clapping. Y'all, come on. If you haven't noticed, I'm asking you to interact. You know, if you're like, man, I'm going to take a nod. I'm going to call you out. I'm going to call you out. Call you up. I titled this message, The Call and the Cost of Discipleship, and I just have to say thank you to so many, so many folks here at Cedarville who invested in my life 
in my discipleship journey, some who are no longer on staff here, but who invested in me, Dr. Irene Allen, Dr. Jan Conway from the nursing department, who, who not only trained me in, to excel in the profession, they, the, more importantly, they actually were training me for a ministry I didn't even know I was called to at the time. Uh, uh, Dr. Chris Miller, I don't even know if he's in the house. He doesn't probably remember me. My first, my first class in the, in the fall of 1998 was Old Testament survey, the first time I ever read through the Old Testament and had that class, and, and I got the flannel and the, and the, uh, the khaki pants that I wore to prove it, because he had me stand up and do like the whole story arc, and I never forgot that. That gave me a love of God's word that to this day sticks with me, including uh, being able to serve in ministry, and then Robert Rome, Dr. Uh, Robert Rome, who invested so much in me and a bunch of guys believing in a bunch of knuckleheads. And here I am, by God's grace, sharing his word. So isn't God good? Isn't God good, y'all? Come on, we can clap. All right. Well, we only have a few minutes in, in God's word this morning. We'll be in the text in Matthew chapter 28. And we'll be in the last part of that chapter. It's a chapter that's familiar to us, but I don't want us to get too complacent, Cedarville, particularly because many of us, we are familiar with Scripture, and our familiarity causes us to miss what is actually there for us this morning. I would like to read our text, and then we will jump into the Word. Starting at verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What a text. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You know, this is a familiar text to many of us. I would imagine that we have heard sermons and uh, podcasts and teachings on what is described as the Great Commission. It might be on the wall in a church that you're a part of over its global missions. It might be something that you were called to uh, memorize when you went to Awana or to Bible Club as a child. But I want us to look at this text with some fresh eyes. And before we jump further in there, I just have to say that I love barbecue. Does anybody in here love barbecue? Now, before you start clapping, I have, to do a, uh, I have to do a check. You know, we have to like check. Now, I'm not talking about barbecue sauce on some meat. I'm not talking about trying to, I'm not trying to hate on you, Chuck, but I'm not talking about the barbecue we had at Chuck's back in the 90s. I'm talking about the kind of barbecue where you take the meat and you have to salt it for 48 hours. And then you get a rub or you have some sweetness and some heat and you dust it over that meat and you let it saturate into the meat for another 48 hours. And then you take that meat and you get it up to room temperature and you put it in a smoker with maybe some hickory wood in that smoker and maybe some cherry wood and the the smoke starts to go around the meat. It starts to saturate the meat for 12, 13, 14 hours. That's the kind of barbecue I love. How about you? 
Now, we're talking about this idea of the call and the cost of discipleship. And I want us to, this morning, for a second, check ourselves in the middle of getting ready to go to spring break, in the middle of our freshman, sophomore, or on the cusp of getting ready to graduate, to check ourselves, to ask ourselves this question. Are we a barbecue sauce Christian or are we a barbecue disciple? Are we a barbecue sauce disciple? Or are we real barbecue Some of y'all are like, oh, where's this brother about to go with this? (laughs) I don't know. Just keep praying. (laughs) The call and cost of discipleship. Look at our text at verse 16. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. This text reminds us that we have these 11 men who had been following Jesus. They're from different backgrounds. They're sociocultural history. They, they have blue collar, white collar. These are people politically who would have disagreed with each other, would have been each, other, each other's throats. But the difference was they had followed the call of Jesus. And he, he calls them to the mountain. This is after his resurrection. Now, Now, I want to be clear when we talk about this idea of a disciple, those of you in the house who are studying your Greek, you know this term, mathetes. This is a a learner. It is a student. Now, we have to be careful as we talk about a student or a learner in this context that many of us, when we think of a student or learner, we think of someone who obtains more and more information. This idea of disciple is more than that. It's not less than the mind, amen, but it's more than that. It's more than a class. It's more than a podcast they listen to. These are men who are in training to follow in the footsteps, the character, and the likeness of Jesus. Now, when we read this text, we, we think of the 11, you know, kind of the big guys, the big guns going to the mountain to receive from Jesus. But if we, if we don't back up in the context and see what had happened, how do they know where to meet Jesus on this particular mountain? And look in verses 1 of chapter 28. After the Sabbath, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. We know there are other women that are present based on the other synoptic, uh, synoptic gospels. And uh, look at verse 10. It says, and then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. In other words, if we need to back up that the 11 men, the 11 disciples didn't just show up to the mountain. See, there were women who were also following Jesus. And, and, and I think it's somewhat ironic that um, after he died and r- resurrected that the first people to the tomb were women. Now, now sisters, I got to tell you this morning, this isn't even in my notes. I have to tell you this morning. Here at Cedarville, where you have been called to, to, to prepare for a life of ministry, the temptation for you is to start chasing after, chasing after a brother. You know, when you're in Chucks, you know how it is. Take a little time with your tray. He's coming. He's coming. You know, you pretend to drop something, see if he's going to pick it up. You're in that Bible class. You should be reading your notes and you're, you're writing notes. <laughs> these sisters, listen, these sisters, their priority was 
finding and following King Jesus. That's for free. Find and follow King Jesus, sisters. And if there's another brother who has to be following him, like, hey, follow him together. Works out pretty well. So they're watching him. They come to the tomb. Jesus says, go and tell them where to find me. And this group of people, uh, this group of 11, this uh, group of women and all the others who have been following Jesus, they have an encounter. Now, I know that it's, uh, uh, as we think about this, who these disciples were, we, we, we kind of, we we're familiar with them. We know them by name. We, we've heard these stories, but, but we need to back up and remember something that for them to be in that place, to be seeking Jesus and to, to be at his feet looking for him after his resurrection, there was some point where they had to respond to the call of discipleship. There was a point where they had to respond to Jesus' invitation. And, and, and frankly, let, let, let me be honest with you, Jesus' invitation didn't go something like this. It wasn't like, please, 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 will you please come follow me? Please, you're awesome. You're amazing. I, I mean, I need you. Like, I, I'm empty without you. If you don't come, I'm just unfulfilled. Like, can, can you please help me out? Jesus was like, you're awesome. Come follow me. And in a room like this where so many of us, we sit in the cusp of entering into a lifetime of ministry where we know more than our character. Our knowledge exceeds our character. We can find ourselves very subtly, very subtly, believing that the call to discipleship is Jesus calling me because he needs me. When a matter of fact, the reality is that Jesus, just like when he called these, this group of people, Jesus, he's the one who's awesome. He's the one who's worthy. He's the one who, who, who was coming to actually help them. He was calling them because of their need and invites them into following him. Let's not forget that. That Jesus, when he calls them, it's not because they have something to bring to him, but he has everything to give to them. I love what 1 John chapter 4, 10 says, In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The call and the cost of discipleship. The cost of discipleship. If any man would follow me, he must take up his cross and follow me daily. I know we're familiar with that verse. Most of us, when we think of the cost of discipleship, the first thing we think of is what we have to give up to follow Jesus. Can we be honest? What we have to give up. But the reality is that the cost of discipleship Yes, it's going to call us to give something up, but, but the cost of discipleship uh, was Jesus giving up himself, giving up his life for us. You know, instead of us coming to, to this call of discipleship thinking we're awesome, we're good, we can, we're amazing, 
Cedarville, we have to be confronted with the fact that we have nothing to bring other than our brokenness and our need of a savior. You know, I was served as a nurse for 14 years in the city of Chicago. And for a number of those years, you know, I would take care of different kinds of people and different personalities. I'll never forget this one particular patient I had in the ICU. He had uh, liver failure. He was, he was on the cusp of, of, of his life coming to an end. He was completely dependent on me to care for him in order for his life to be sustained. And I'll never forget when I walked in one day and he looked up at me and he called me the N-word. And he just said, come here, N-word, come here. And I, walked, I remember walking over to him and this man in this bed had soiled himself. And it was my job to clean him up. The man who was denigrating me. Now, now I, I know the temptation right now is for you all to think that, that I was the hero in this story, but I wanna be clear about something. I wasn't the hero in this story. Because you know what happened in my heart? God pricked me. He said, you need to understand something. You look at this man who is, who, is, who is denigrating you, who is castigating you, his fist up at you, and he's broken, ready to die in his mess. And the Lord said, that's you. Listen. The only hero, the only king who would reach down to his enemies in their filth, clean them up, rescue them, restore life to them, and then in his kindness, invite them to be part of his kingdom. There's only one king who will do that, and his name is Jesus. You can clap. Go ahead. And friends, this morning, I don't know what kind of a mess you are in spiritually. You look good this morning. I have to tell you the good news, the good news of the gospel. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Whatever it is you are carrying, whatever sin and mess you are in, I have good news that the king, King Jesus, he came to pay the price to clean you up. Yes, in your mess. Yes, in your rebellion. So my call this morning is for some of you, today needs to be the day where you respond to King Jesus. That invitation. The cost of discipleship cost the king his life. It's free, but it cost him everything. Now, they each had to res respond to that call, and they did, as we see them in the story. And they are reminded of what Jesus is calling them to. He calls them to follow him. 
Now look at verse 17. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Have you ever read that though? But some what? Some doubted. I don't think I ever really paid attention to this fact that these are the people who literally saw Jesus crucified. They saw that he truly died and then they saw him alive and it says some doubted. Now I've been around the block enough to know that, that uh, in a place like this and, and with, with people your age, young people your age across this country, there are so many who are wrestling with this idea of doubt and can I trust God's word? Can I trust him? And for whatever reason, but, but I just have to say that if they doubted, their doubt was probably bigger than yours. And secondly, do you see this, that even though they doubted, they still showed up. Their doubt did not keep them from showing up to be in the presence at the feet of Jesus to hear what he had to command. They still said yes, even in the doubts they were having. But they had embraced this identity as a trainer, as a, as a learner, as a student of Jesus. They had, been they had spent time and time with him in his presence, watching him, observing him. You know, who you spend time with is who you're going to start to look like. Now, you can tell because I'm a little bit wider, I haven't spent as much time with Dr. White as I need to. I might start doing that so I can start looking fit like him, you know? Look at your closest friends and ask, are they pursuing Jesus? See, every single one of us is a disciple. Jesus says, go and make disciples it's in this context of all authority is his. He's Lord, he's master, go and make disciples. And, and, and there's acknowledgement here, I think, for all of us that every single one of us in this room, we are a disciple of something or someone. Whoever we're spending time with, whether individually, in person, or even digitally, we are being discipled. You are being formed and so this call, when Jesus is calling them to make disciples, it's an acknowledgement that they are disciples, that they had been spending time with him. They had been with him in his presence, in his word, engaging with what he had to say. And, and this is more than barbecue sauce discipleship. You know what barbecue sauce is, right? You can take an old musty hot dog that you boiled and you can get out some craft barbecue sauce and pour it on a white bun and you can say this is barbecue you can call it barbecue but see if you if you put a little pressure and water on that hot dog all the sauce is going to wash off i don't know who i'm talking to it might be one person in this room listen 
Some of you in this space, you're sitting in the presence of God's word. You're sitting under the teaching and the, the expression of worship. And you, you're, you're, you're in a space where you are in a barbecue sauce type, type of discipleship. Because when life is going to hit you, it's going to wash it right on off. My challenge to you is recognize that, that we're not calling you to simply hear God's word, but to let it infiltrate like in real barbecue where the smoke starts to saturate. It creates a ring. It changes the, the very texture of the meat. It changes the texture of what it tastes like. And so as you're under God's word, when you're in an Old Testament survey class, it's not simply a class to learn cognitive information. It's to encounter the living God. When you sit under the teaching of God's word day after day after day, it's not to check off your required chapel attendance. No, it's an opportunity for you to be in the presence of God with his people under the word to be changed and transformed as you engage in your service and ministry. The reality is that, that, that Jesus is desiring to not just throw some sauce on you. He wants to transform you day by day by day to become more like him. You know, I have a five-year-old named Malachi and he wears glasses. He just got them a few months ago. It looks real cute with his glasses on. When he was back home, uh, when Gabe, Gabriel was back home a few uh, months ago or just for Christmas, Malachi got his glasses and Malachi was in the habit of putting his glasses up. You know, when your glasses fall down, he'd push them up with his finger. Now, my son was like, look, Malachi, look, when you do this, it's kind of what nerds do. So Malachi, when he is going to fix his glasses, he, has to, he, he goes like this, puts them up, two hands. That's for free for some of you brothers out here. Anyway, <laughs> up the game. Here's the funny thing, though. Gabe goes back, comes back to Cedarville. We're hanging out with Malachi, and he starts going like this. We're like, Malachi, Gabe, he trains you. He's like, I only do that when Gabe's here. That's the barbecue sauce discipleship right there. <laughs> Jesus says this, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. When he says all a power and authority is given to me, dunamis, he has the right to and the rule to over this world, over your life. There is no aspect, no sliver of your life that's not under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means your dating life. That means what happens on your phone when no one else is looking. That means your academic integrity is under the authority of Jesus. There is no domain of your life that is outside of the scope of your discipleship journey with Jesus. The question is, does your life reflect that? Does your life reflect that? Jesus says, look, Make 
disciples. In this text, in the Greek, there's only one imperative, and that is to make disciples. Go, therefore, is not a command. It's, it's assumed. It's, it's, you're already going to be going as you are living life, as you are moving along, whether it's in the space of your academic career here at Cedarville or wherever the Lord may take you to another city, another country, make disciples. It means to, in obeying, teaching people to obey Jesus, it means that you yourself are modeling for them and living out the thing that you want them to become. Because friends, you will only produce what you are. It's a hard lesson, but it's true. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. That's all peoples. That's one of the reasons as a church in Chicago, we seek to have churches that are proclaiming the gospel in Hindi and in Spanish and to high rises and to ghettos because we believe the gospel is for All people and all people need to hear it. But here's the thing for you. You need to ask yourself this question. Where has God sent you? Whether it's in your dorm, whether it's in the ministry that you're a part of, in your major, the profession, wherever he has sent you, you are called to make disciples, to mimic and become more like him and invite others into that gospel message because Jesus is worth it. Friends, This morning, I can assure you that if you heed this call, if you heed the cost of discipleship, if Jesus is your everything, for some of you, it means it will cost you everything. And yet I can tell you with confidence that Jesus is always worth it. Jesus is always worth it. So take your tests serving your ministry, play your sport, live out your profession. But do it having heard the call, remembering the cost of discipleship. And in that, King Jesus will be glorified. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for every student here. We thank you for the privilege to open your word. God, we recognize that that we are only here because of your kindness to us. We ask God that you would go before us, that we might live as unto you in our day-to-day and wherever you send us so that Jesus would be glorified and more would come to know him and follow him. It's in your name, for your glory we pray, amen. Friends, you're dismissed. Have a great week.